The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. There was a day last week, actually it was early evening, and, and that's that's relevant here. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. I, I'm, I'm driving home. I'm heading east on Queen Street in the East Ward. I cross Highway 36. Does anyone call that Verlum Road? Anyway, I cross that north-south road that takes you to Bob Cajun. I'm on Pigeon Lake Road, heading east, getting ready to turn north on Fieldside. Now, I've done this a billion times, almost on autopilot, but always alert just in case there are traffic enforcement officers out there listening. But this time, I slowed down more than usual to, uh, to take in, to stare at dozens of cars ahead of me on Pigeon Lake Road. They were wanting to turn into uh, the drive-in. Huh. A familiar sight, that, that lineup, that had become not so familiar for more than a year. And here it was back again, the sight of a lineup of vehicles on a cool summer night doing something normal again. Welcome to the show. My name is Denny Gringow. I host this program that has been around now for 35 episodes. It's called The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. Today, the story of why a medical specialist recently chose our community to work and settle with his new family. It's a nice story about a new neighbor. The Lindsay Little Theater always thinks large when it stages a show, even during restrictions. We'll take you to its new temporary venue under the stars. Looking for Heather has a new CD. My conversation about that and other down-to-earth stuff with one half of its down-to-earth duo, Jay Bowes. So recline your seat, remove your shoes if you want, settle in and let us do the driving as we chug along to this story. Next stop, Pontypool. Prochain arrêt, Pontypool. That announcement could be coming to a train platform near you. Well, near you if you live in the Pontypool area. The federal government has announced a proposed plan for a high-frequency new rail service between Toronto and Quebec City, which would include a lot of new tracks, some of it proposed to go through Pontypool, thus connecting residents of that area and all of Kawartha Lakes, really, to Ottawa and Quebec City in one direction and Toronto in the other. Tracy Richardson is the counsellor for Ward 8, which encompasses Pontypool. She joins me on the line now from her home in Pontypool. Councillor Richardson, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. I have to ask, what was your reaction when you heard the news of this proposed rail link, which might, could very well stop in Pontypool? Well, I think my initial reaction is, is, you know, the story has been circulating now, I believe, you know, over a decade. So to hear this type of uh, positive news, especially, you know, during pandemic, um, and, and, you know, realizing that this is going to create better connectivity across the entire province. I think it's a win and a, a great news story. Well, you mentioned that it has been discussed in previous years. Certainly um, in the whole time that I've been here, it seems to resurface every couple of years or so. A lot of skeptics would argue that, well, here we go again. So how does your reaction this time compare to what it would have been in previous years? I think it's actually a more uh, a positive because you're actually, you know, seeing, you know, where the proposal can possibly be. Um, there's a huge, you know, recognition that, you know, people realize that, 
we need to do something um, when it comes to creating a better transportation service. And I know that um, you know there's a lot of parameters that have to be reviewed in procurement before this moves forward. But um, it's it sounds like we're moving in the right direction for for the first time in a long time. I, I feel like we, we we do have our feet on the ground on this one. Light at the end of the uh, train tunnel, as it were. You got it. Well, you live in the area. What are your neighbors telling you about uh, the proposal and, and how it'll, how it will affect their daily lives? Well, I think uh, all of them, you know, it's all new. It's a new announcement. Um, you know, some people are absolutely thrilled. Others are concerned. What are their um, concerns? Well, I, I think just, you know, the traffic um, in the area, you know, and you have small children and it is a small community. Um, you know, there's always, it's the unknown, right? You don't know until it's here sometimes. And some people get more concerned until we actually have it come to light. So it's, it's you know, an anxious feeling for some people, but other people are totally, you know, overwhelmed with, you know, enthusiasm. So it, it's a mixed bag right now. Your ward is also closer to Toronto than, than most parts of the city of Kawartha Lakes. Uh, so this route could mean uh, an increase in population to your area with you know people leaving the GTA and moving there to become commuters. How do you feel about that and how it could change the physical makeup of your home area? I think we're already seeing the changes, especially with the uh, Forks, Forks an extension just pretty much five minutes down the road. Um, so you've, we've seen a lot of new um, people come into our community in the last year, obviously from the pandemic uh, um, offset as well, just because people want to get out of the city. So I just, you know, it's just becoming more and more attractive to be in Fortha Lakes. And, and this would just be another positive attraction for, for anybody that's considering our area as their new home. We're understandably more focused on the opposite ends of this route, Toronto at one end and Montreal, Quebec City at the other. But this will also means more connectivity to Peterborough. What does that mean for the people living in your in your ward? Oh, well, you know, that, you know, to be honest with you, that question hasn't really come up as of yet, just because I think people think down here you can be, you know, to Peterborough on 20 minute drive, right? But for those that have some limitations uh, when it comes to transportation, I think it's uh, a win-win. In the end, what do you think the odds are of this happening, Councillor? Uh, right now, I would have to say we're, you know, we're treading at a 50-50 to see, you know, what's next, what's the next steps. It's a pretty new announcement. So, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, issues that have to be, like the current tracks, um, you know, which ones will be dedicated to passenger, which will be dedicated to um your uh, shipping, you know, lines and whatnot like that. Maybe just finally, let's say hypothetically, I'm with Via Rail and I'm still waffling on whether or not to build a station in Pontypool. What would you tell me to convince me? Um, I think I think what I would say is that they have to recognize how amazing the Port of Lakes is and what we have to you know to offer. Um, it's a commuter village to those that want to get into the city centers but you're just at the, the south end of the city of Port Lakes. So I think there's, you know, a lot of pros for them giving us this uh, this option to maybe have a, a station here. I mean, if you look back in pictures and years and years ago, um, we used to have our train station right there off of Pontypool Road, and we used to be a vacation community down here where people came out from the city. 
So I think we're just coming full circle. So it might be something that, um, you know, it's definitely going to help um, put the area on the map again, shall I say. Tickets, please. Boubier, passengers who boarded in Pontypool. Tickets, please. Les passagers de Pontypool, vos billets, s'il vous plaît. Oh, you, sir, Porter, here's my ticket. And what food delicacies might this new rail car proffer? Well, we feature the finest from Kawartha Lakes, all available in this state-of-the-art dehydrated pill form. From the best ice cream on any side of the tracks, to a bevy of baked goods from the many eateries in our community. No spill, no fuss, all flavor. Well then, my good man, hand me over... Two tiny tablets of croissants and a scoop of Kawatha Dairy Moose tracks. All right, here you go. All this flavor packed into something smaller than the power button on that fancy iPad of yours. Mmm, mmm. Say, this new train is the cat's pajamas. I'm also excited to get down to work using your super reliable high-speed internet. Whoa, reliable internet? On a train? Hold the smartphone there. What do you think this is? The future? My name is Carissa Ward from Ward's Lawyers in Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. This just seems like a big platform in an L shape. How is this going to be transformed into an actual stage? By us amazing actors is how. Uh, thanks to the Home Building Center here in Lindsay, they donated the, the top pieces we used for the, for the main portion. However, after that, we just took a bunch of flats and, and risers, put them together with a bunch of nails, duct tape, and spit, and then put it on top, painted it, so it looks, it looks decent. Didn't it looks you get good. some of them like from LLT's oh, yeah. old stuff? That was Reuben Stewart and Jeannie Truax, Actors Come Carpenters with the Lindsay Little Theatre, describing their new, yet temporary, outdoor stage, literally right next to the theatre's main building on George Street. They and other volunteer crew created this transformation to mount the upcoming production of Twelfth Night, Outdoors. It doesn't open until the end of the month, but get this, it has already sold out. Sort of. LLT has managed to create more space for this outdoor performance. Just be sure to show up with your own chair. A few more tickets will go on sale tomorrow. That's Friday, July 16. All that hammering and sawing and pivoting has clearly paid off. Good thing, because... It was a lot of hard work. I'm not going to lie. I went home with the amount of blisters you'd expect. My hand was just gone the next day. Uh, <laughs> my back was super sore, but like we spent eight hours here building it, and then eight hours here the next day of painting it. Um, so it was a lot of work put into this, um, and not something I'd expect to do as just like an actor-slash-producer. What's it been like uh, mounting a show and rehearsing outdoors versus indoors I mean number one is weather like for the last week straight that we've been rehearsing it's been like oh well I guess we're gonna rain but only for the two hours that you're rehearsing biggest thing is being loud enough like having to work on projecting so far when there's wind blowing in your mouth and your mouth gets dried out and some days it's really cold or some days it's super hot so your costumes are killing you um there is like so many problems um but it is still is just as magical as normal rehearsal but it makes things hard (laughs) okay how do you find that balance between the magic and the problems (laughs) Ruben, <laughs> uh, how do you temper those two? 
Uh, staying on the positive side of we are having fun, we are on stage, and COVID restrictions, be it as they may, they're still in place, but we are not as worried about it as outside because we are safer out here. But balancing it is just really, it's great. We're on a show. We get to finally be on stage and put on something we love doing. And yeah. I think that's what really keeps us all going. It's better than not doing anything, right? <laughs> like, it's, it, it's a lot better than just having to sit at home and, like, do table reads on Zoom, which is what we were doing for months. Were there ever moments when you thought, that's it, I'm, I'm out? No, no, I didn't really have a moment where I was like, nope, this isn't worth it because I so desperately want to get back to acting. There, there wasn't a moment where I just wanted to wait it out. If anything, I think everyone, especially the people that were involved in this production since two, almost two, two years, years ago, um, we were dying to get this on stage as fast as we possibly could. It has been an experience I'm definitely going to be talking about for a long time. <laughs> I mean, like, you don't usually expect a couple of 19-year-olds to go to a theater and be like, hey, I have this idea for a show. Hey, I have this idea to build a stage outside. We have this huge idea to get this going so we can make money and have people and have theater. I did not expect it would go over A, this well, and B, this much effort to just put on a little stage and people coming to see a show. What are you anticipating on opening night? Um... Well, a lot of chaos, I'm not going to lie, um, but everyone here is excited. Um, and we know that when people come and they take a seat, it will be a little frustrating. I know people are going to get frustrated because that's just how everything goes on opening night. But I know when they sit down and that first scene starts and that music gets going, I just know everyone is just going to take that deep breath in and out and just enjoy the comedy that is Twelfth Night. When you think of the Stratfords and the Shaw and the wherewithal they have to mount their shows outdoors, and you think of what you've had to go through, what, what goes through your mind? Oh, jealousy is a word that comes to mind. I just envious, like I wish we could be like them. And I know one day we all could be at that level of, hey, we are on the Stratford stage and here, yes we are, yes, we're gonna go act some Shakespeare out. Um, but everyone has to start somewhere. I would be willing to do this regardless of if I was getting paid for it or not. But honestly, I think about like, this is good experience, like, because I do want to pursue this and I want to do this as a career. It's like when you pick up an instrument, I'm not playing the keyboard right now because I want to be paid for it. I'm playing it because I want to get better at it. I'm playing, uh, I'm playing it so that I can be that. I'm playing it because I enjoy it. I just love it. There is no feeling, no high, no adrenaline rush, no experience like stepping onto a stage and having somebody laugh at you, somebody react to you. It but is... even in these conditions where, you know, you're going to have cars driving by like we have now or it could be pouring rain. That... Nothing like it. It happens in, in sideshows, you know, people are like they drop their water bottle on the floor or there's a kid crying in the back seat it it doesn't matter you know regardless it is still magical when you know that you can make someone else feel something whatever it is hi i'm reuben stewart and i'm jeannie truex and you're listening to the advocate podcast stories from kortha lakes and a reminder that tomorrow, July 16, the LLT will be releasing a few more tickets for its three outdoor productions of Twelfth Night at the end of this month. You're listening to episode 35 of The Advocate Podcast, part of the Lindsay Advocate magazine. 
In the July edition of the magazine, you'll find Ian McKechnie's feature on inactive cemeteries in Kawartha Lakes. The magazine is available at Lamantia's Country Market and Food for Less. You can subscribe to our program on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, all free thanks to our official sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. If you're looking for a lawyer, Carissa and Jason Ward and their team, they can meet all your legal needs. Find them at wardlegal.ca. Won't be long now before gyms are open. Ball players of all ages will be on fields and, well, hockey's just around the corner. And at the risk of being a doomsayer, we're probably going to see a few more injuries. You know, knees, hips, joints. Keep in mind, too, ours is an aging population. But some good news, the Ross Memorial Hospital, and therefore our community, recently welcomed a new orthopedic surgeon. Dr. Sebastian Heaven studied in the UK, where he's originally from, but also he studied right here in Ontario. And most recently, he practiced in London, Ontario. But hey, Dr. Heaven is ours now. Dr. Heaven, thanks for coming on the program and uh, welcome to Kawartha Lakes. Yeah, well, it's a fantastic community. My experiences here thus far have been nothing but positive and uh, I'm very much a uh, a suburban rural type of guy. I'm not the the, the big city guy that uh, uh, that you associate with, you know, some of the younger generation who want to move towards these larger population centers. I'm very much a, a, a suburban type of guy and uh, the community in Kawartha Lakes and Lindsay uh, really appealed to me in that sense uh, because it's a slower pace of life for people who uh, are into recreational activities like golf, tennis. Uh, there's still plenty to offer in terms of uh, sporting activities, but also, you know, there is not the uh, the incessant kind of rat race mentality of of the downtown area and uh, and the surrounding areas. It's very much a, a, a quiet and, and friendly community that I've uh, I've been more than welcomed into since I've been here. Uh, I think one of the main reasons uh, that I was selected uh, for this position was that I have uh, quite a bit of experience with hip and knee replacement surgery. That's my main specialty. Uh, but more specifically, I'm also somebody who is formally trained in anterior hip approach surgery, uh, which is something that has gained popularity recently and is something that uh, the powers that be here at the Ross were very keen to, to add to the surgical department and to be able to offer to patients in the area. Now, there are more glamorous areas of medicine that you could have chosen, certainly. What was it about orthopedics that, that piqued your interest that, that you would devote so much time to it? I actually knew from about the third year of medical school that I wanted to go into orthopedics. Uh, medical school in the UK is actually five years because you can do it straight out of high school. So it's it's like an undergraduate degree. And by my third year of my medical school, uh, I was uh, I was hooked by orthopedics. I mean, I was always very interested in surgery because I'm I'm very uh, you know I, I enjoy working with my hands uh, and and being able to fix things. Uh, so that's always something that appealed to me. Uh, and orthopedics, more specifically, uh, you know, a lot of the biomechanical concepts uh, that orthopedics uh, contains, uh, they always came quite easily to me, and I always for some reason intuitively understood them better than you know perhaps other systems in the body but also the level of satisfaction that i get out of the job by seeing the end result uh, of of my work and being able to uh, you know, see patients uh, do so well after, in particular, hip and knee replacement surgery, with both being very, very successful. Uh, and that does also speak to part of the reason why I was keen on coming to a community like Kawatha and, and, and Lindsay, because it's a small enough community that 
I'm able to go out to the grocery store and have a, a reasonable probability of coming across one of my patients and being able to see them in a non-medical capacity, in a non-medical context, and them walking around you know, the grocery store without knowing that I, I can see them because I'm, I'm in the same store um, and be able to see them live their life. That's an immensely gratifying aspect of my job. And so there aren't too many communities where you would be able to do that. Because a lot of, I think a lot of people in your field in medicine w would not want that they would they would they want to keep that separation between their work and their patients well don't get me wrong you know there's all it's always important to have boundaries between your work life and your home life but to be able to uh you know to to see a person or to see a patient in their day-to-day -day life in a way that they don't know you're watching that's the key thing uh, because i find a lot of patients uh, particularly you know the older patients they uh, they do sometimes try to please you as the surgeon, and they want you to see how well they're doing, um, which you know speaks to them as people uh, and is wonderful. But at the same time, what I really want to know is you know how are you really doing? And there's no truer way to to observe that than when you don't think you're being observed. To be able to see your patients as as people and human beings in their day to day life, rather than patients who come to your to your office, to your clinic, and then you know you kind of forget they exist when they leave. Um, that that's never really been my style. Well, you will see them out in the community. Trust me on that one. I'm hoping this isn't a stretch, but given the past 15 months, most of us, not to put too fine a point on it, have been a little less active. I'm just wondering how that's going to affect your your job. If there's been an uptick in the patients that you're treating, or, or what you're bracing yourself for. Uh, I'll, I join you in that group. I certainly have been less active myself, and uh, you know the the quarantine fifteen, as they call it, is I've certainly been a victim of that myself. Um, but no, I think the the main thing uh, to come out of the last sort of fifteen eighteen months um, has been that unfortunately a good deal of elective surgery has had to have been cancelled or postponed. That has unfortunately happened at the Ross. I'm pretty sure it's happened everywhere to some degree. One of the things that I'm in the process of doing and uh, and will continue to do over the next number of months is uh, to examine the number of patients who who got cancelled, um, who uh, had surgery scheduled and then and uh, and then had to uh, have that rescheduled. Uh, we're we're all here doing our best to to try and get those patients back to surgery as soon as we can. I'm going to guess. I'm going to make the leap and assume that you've probably dealt with a lot of rugby injuries in your uh, in your background. How familiar are you with hockey injuries? Because you're going to run into a few of those out here. I uh, well, I'm, I'm familiar with rugby injuries, having sustained a few myself. Because uh, having done medical school in Cardiff, that's pretty much the national sport in Wales. So uh, I'm a big rugby player and rugby fan. Um, but in terms of hockey injuries, obviously I've lived in Canada for nearly 10 years now. So working in the field that I do, you know, you, you don't work in in orthopedics for 10 years without seeing the odd, uh, you know player checked into the boards or, or something similar and uh, you know I'm, I'm very familiar with the the unique aspects of uh, of hockey that result in quite unique injuries maybe just finally uh, once you're settled here and uh, you can walk out of your home and you're not on the job what are you and your family looking forward to most do you think Oh gosh, uh, I mean, it's it's a fantastic community. You know, when I first moved here, I, I uh, drove around a little bit to try and get my bearings to to see, you know, what what Lindsay has to offer. And uh, you know, my uh, my wife uh, is is very excited to uh, to get out on the bicycle and, and ride some trails. You know, my son, who is eight years old, there's a, a whole number of, of playgrounds that we're going to tour, I'm sure, at some point. And uh, and fortunately for me, I managed to pick uh, a house that we bought that's not too far from the golf course. So. Uh, 
uh, if the uh, if the temperatures persist as they do, it might only be the nine holes rather than the 18. But I'll certainly be uh, be working on my golf game uh, until the weather comes in and, and starts to, uh, uh, to to prevent me from doing so. Well, you can do nine on one day and the other nine on the next day. <laughs> Dr. Heaven, thank you so much for this. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. It was really nice. I'm Nate Copeland from Lindsay, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. I'm not the only one. Brand new music there from Looking for Heather off their We Fall in Love Too Easily CD. Jay Bose is one half of Looking for Heather. You may remember my conversation with Jeff Gutteridge. He is the other half of the band. That was back in episode 21. It's an interesting and impressive musical partnership and a long-standing friendship going back even earlier than their time at LCVI. I recently met with Jay at Memorial Park in Lindsay, mostly to talk about the band's new album and how it all came together, especially during a pandemic, which forced them to collaborate apart in their respective homes within earshot of their respective families. You'll hear how they overcame some of those technical hurdles with aplomb, but you'll also get a good idea of who Jay is. Very approachable, very affable, very much a married dad, in so many ways, he has two young sons. But Jay is also, and I'm choosing my words here carefully, he's also almost too humble. Because Looking for Heather is the real deal. Tight, polished, very well produced. Well, you can see Jay's don't take me too seriously attitude in the video for his solo song, If You Can't Save Your Love. And you're going to hear that that fun, playful humility as well in my conversation with Jay Bose. Feel like I'm losing it all and I can't live this way anymore. It's definitely important not to take yourself too seriously. I mean, you can get... Then, Why? And you, well, you see, you see other musicians and acts that you're out there playing with sometimes. And on a rare occasion, you see guys that are just like so intense that they can't see anything besides like they're not focused on their own music at all or what they're actually sounding like they're just they got to make sure they're up there in like leather pants and 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 they may got to make sure they do the token stick twirl you know what it is like it's it's not actually focusing on what you should be focusing on, which is what you sound like. What's it like <laughs> when you see that as the, as the guy who's been in the business? Well, it, I mean, years? it is what it is. Uh, I have no, I, to, to me, I try not to judge to each his own. They're up there having a good time and that's what it's about. But it's important for you to maintain that balance. Why? Yeah, but you know, I don't think they'd ever do a bio where they're joking about themselves. But there is that look moment where, you know, you and Jeff will go, look, we are serious. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're not phoning this in. How difficult is it to balance those two where, you know, you want to be humble, 
but we also want people to know this is our gig, man. Like this, we're, we're yeah, serious I about mean, this. I'm, you try and let the music speak for itself. I think when people hear our music, people are, they're surprised because they expect to hear like, you know, this lo-fi, oh, you're in a band, that's nice. It's, that's cute. Like you're a musician, that's, that's cute. Uh, oh, this is your band? Oh, you guys are, you guys are, oh, you're in a band. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we get that all the time with people who have never heard us before. I'll play our music for some people. And they're like, oh, this is, this is good. Artists that I admire, they could be flamboyant or, or crazy or a little off the wall, but when they, when they walk out onto a stage or they, you know, release a new song, you pay attention to it because you're like, okay, this, this guy knows what he's doing. This is, this is serious and he's, he's taking himself seriously here where it boils down to the music. Therein lies the answer With no question And no place to begin I've kind of grown a lot in that respect. How do you mean you've grown? Just uh, more confident in that and that I don't have to sound a certain way. All I really have to do is sound like me and that is enough. (laughs) <laughs> it's interesting because you've been doing this for you know 25 30 years time. or so yep. yeah so but you you still have those moments when um, oh I don't god know, is it doubt or is it just like hesitancy or i mean i've heard other musicians uh kind of coin it as imposter syndrome so no matter who you're around you never feel like you're worthy of being around or being in a class with other people and I, as soon as I've heard, I heard somebody say that once, and I'm just like, that is honestly how I feel most of the time, <laughs> musically. Um, so how do you overcome that? Or do you? You still struggle with it, for sure. Like, I mean, I don't know whether, I don't, I'm not as bad with stage fright anymore, but, which is weird because I'm now more front and center. When we were in a band and I was just playing bass and occasionally sang the rare backup line here and there uh, at a show. I always had more stage fright back then. And I don't know what's happened to me in more recent years, but I think maybe it's just passage of time and you're just like, you know what? I'm not getting any younger and I'm certainly not going to get any more talented. <laughs> not that I'm talented by any stretch, but you know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not going to sound any different. My voice isn't going to be any different. This is what I sound like. And this is, you know, What's that like? This to come to my, that, what's that like to come to that realization that? Huh, well, it's very liberating for sure because it's like you know, it, it, having a new experience and honestly being able to do it on my own too, and, and kind of getting comfortable with my own voice. Like this is what I sound like. The two of you. Uh, literally distanced by 60 or 70 kilometers and not able to get together. What was yeah. that whole production process like this time? The strangest thing about it being distanced it is probably the most collaborative album we've ever made. Okay, you got to explain that. <laughs> like just from a standpoint of I'll lay something down and send it to him and then he'll send it back and then he'll have a session with Randy where they throw down a couple guitar parts and then he'll send it back to me and I'll go, oh, you know what? I thought of this cool backup line. I'll throw it down and send it back to him and he'll be like, mm-hmm, sing it like this and then I'll redo it. And 
It's just we'd never, ever made an album like that How was that before. easier than if you're in the same room and talking to each other at the same I don't time? Not necessarily easier, but it forces you to step back and listen to the song actually more than just throwing out an opinion that doesn't come from anywhere. I would probably say when he sent me the track for, or like the demo for Can't Drive, I had a hard time with that tune just because I didn't know musically where he was kind of going with it. But after listening to the demo and really taking the time to listen to the demo and play around with parts and go, okay, you know what? I think I got a bass line that will work for this and throw it down and send it to him and then send it back and go, you know what? It's just mellow it out a little bit here in this part and we're, we're golden. And that's not something you don't have like five hours in a room together to kind of to knock that out and you don't have the baggage i guess of maybe upsetting that person who's standing yeah right in front well of that's you. true too i mean we're we've got a pretty good enough rapport now that you know if i really didn't like a song i you know could say to him i, I don't really dig this uh, and he could say the same thing to me where like i don't really know where you're going with this one <laughs> uh, but i mean that's the nice thing about being in a band with one of your favorite songwriters is you don't have that problem too often. Somebody tell me things that I don't want to believe tonight I already know Cause I can see the signs Driving around in circles with my lights out Outside your house I'm looking for you I'm not sure of what I'll find Despite all the people who have come in and out around you, the two of you are still uh, together after 25 years. I mean, yeah. you, you started out as teenagers, now you're, you know, you're family men. What is it about your relationship that has allowed you to, to stick it out together? Well, I mean, we're practically brothers. <laughs> so, I mean, knowing each other since you're three or four years old, and his other brother, too, I mean, they're practically my family at this point. So, yeah, we can even have disagreements and arguments, but... Again, you have disagreements and arguments with your family. It doesn't mean that you're not family anymore, <laughs> right? So there is a definite closeness there than there has more so than some other bands, maybe that are just friends that have met, you know. But there has to casually. be more because I think of, you know, Oasis you know, and well, bands like that. I mean, they're, they're, those are bands that were, we're close we're and then weren't. We're huge Oasis fans too, so we always rib each other like uh, Noel and Liam sometimes, like, you know. <laughs> pull out the Oasis insults and I'll call him a, a potato head or something. Uh, if that's as ugly as it gets, Jay. Oh, well, no, I, I don't know. Is your Can you swear on this podcast? <laughs> Baby, don't forget that we were meant to be. So what do you think, you know, the 40-plus-year-old the, the Jay would tell that 17 or 16-year-old oh, Jay God. back then? Just not care so much care but don't like don't let it get to you you know what people say is just it's pointless like everybody's entitled to their opinion and that's exactly what it is it doesn't mean that you're a terrible band or a crappy singer or you know a crappy bass player it it's completely music is so subjective that you know a thousand people may hate you but there could be a hundred people that love you and like think your band is awesome and those are the people you try and find, which is it's a lot easier these days, too, with the interconnectivity of social media. It's easier to reach out to and find those people that, you know, really gravitate towards your music. 
would you like the takeaway to be, Jay, when people hear this CD? Well, I think they, I want I want them to see the honesty in it, and that we're this is you know the songwriting and and the music and the lyrics are all coming from an honest place. There's nothing phony there that we're trying to you know get people to think about us a certain way. Uh, I mean, where what this is what we think. This is our message. This is who we are. You know, take it or leave it. Um, but I think it's important that everybody have their own takeaway from it. You know, and I think that's the cool thing about this album is that certain songs resonate with certain people for specific reasons. From their brand new CD, their seventh in fact, it's called We Fall In Love Too Easily. That is looking for Heather with the last song of the night. You can, and you should, buy that CD, which you can do via lookingforheather.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Our continued success depends on your support. So please consider subscribing to our show, which is completely free thanks to our sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. For all your legal needs, please reach out to Jason and Carissa Ward and anyone at their team. They have you covered. Find them at wardlegal.ca. Our theme music is composed and written by Gerald Van Haltern. The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, is produced and hosted by me, Denis Grignon. Stay the course, be nice to each other, and we will make it to stage normal. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.